Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel. Welcome once again to Questions About Heaven. And we've been going into Revelation chapter 1. We're going to move our way on through all of the 22 chapters of Revelation. The Apocalypsis is the title of this wonderful, wonderful book. It's the unveiling. Oh, we see a lot of things unveiled here. We get to see where we're going to live forever. We're going to understand what our bodies will be like in the new earth, in the new heavens. We get to see what friendship is truly like. We get to see what foods and celebrations are actually like all the way through here. But that's very secondary to the amazing truth that we're finally going to see Jesus in his full glory. Jesus, God, the glory of this wonderful, wonderful host of heaven. And we're going to see him as he is both terrifying to the enemy and he's also gloriously loving to all of us here. You know, years back, uh, through the years, I've been able to uh, travel a bit and visit different places, and some come to mind. I got to go see the Tower of London. I've been able to go over to Jerusalem in the Holy Land and see some wondrous sights there uh, all over the place. And But I think of two places in America that I've seen that really brings us to this point was we go into Revelation 1, and we're going to go into uh, verses 9 through 11, move as far as we can in this time. Well, I went over to Hearst Castle when I lived out in California, and you went in there, the abode owned by William Randolph Hearst, the newspaper, um, just the, the powerful, powerful owner of all of the newspaper chains of his era, and arguably one of the wealthiest men in America, if not one of the top uh, richest people in the world. And he had a castle out in California, which was really in the middle of nowhere. He just took a barren place and just started a forest, actually made a reservoir over there, and built this opulent place. So you're walking through there, going through these gigantic gates. You look over at his tennis courts, uh, the many pools that he had. If The movie stars, uh, we were told, would go there and gather. Uh, I think uh, those silent screen stars of the day would go over there. There were all kinds of uh, bowling alleys and gigantic dining halls, secret passageways. And if you've ever been to a place like this, there's one thing. We walk through as the tour, and the guides are telling us, or you might have an electronic guide, you might have something there where you're learning a, you know, through uh, some sort of earphone. But as you're walking through, you have to stop, and you'll hear the tour guide say once in a while, imagine this is where they were having their Christmas dinner. Imagine over here, here is where they were setting up plans for a garden. Look over here when you come out to this porch, and this is where they would talk business. And we had to keep imagining, imagining. And when you left there, nobody said, boy, that was an engaging, just a warm, enjoyable place. I go to uh, the Biltmore over in North Carolina. We walk through magnificent place, huge place. And it's the same thing. You go through the giant rooms, the, the Halloween room. I think it's very intriguing. You go through the main lobby, the uh, glass-covered entrances. 
And you see them, and they're very interesting. You're walking around, but nobody goes out of there and says, I had just a feeling of love. Oh, it was just so wonderful. I just felt family when I was there. Nobody says this. Do you know why? Because the owner, the host, is not there. They're either gone by absence of distance or they have died. And I think about those, no matter how beautiful they are, all the advertisements is, come see the place. Visit the place. Look at the guards. Look at once what was once happening here. And we're trying to keep it up the best we can, and in some places they can't. And when I look at that, you know, we can talk all about those places, and I never leave there just, oh, that, that was so exciting. That was so loving. What a family atmosphere. Why? Because the hosts weren't there. The owners weren't there. I read about heaven here. It's a whole different thing. You know, when I see the walls of great majesty uh, that could be made of diamond, yaspis, in Revelation chapter 22, and the streets of gold and the foundation stones are made of precious jewels and such. I like that, and that gives me a good idea of what I will see, but that's incomplete to me. I was never really impressed by that as a child. I wanted to know who will be there, and what will that one be like? And I want to know who Jesus is going to be as he's in heaven. I mean, he's more than the shepherd. He's more than the miracle worker, more than the sermon giver. What is he going to be like? And so one thing I enjoy about when we're going through Revelation, the opening is this. It's not what is there. It's who is there. Don't ever forget that. In some of the greatest uh, palaces, greatest mansions you'll go to, you'll go there and they'll say, this is what happened in the past. Can you imagine this is what it was like? We're talking about Jesus Christ, who is saying, oh, you're coming up here. And as 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 says, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So we're looking at this, and we are now going into the who of heaven. Who is going to be there? Now, we're starting in John chapter 1 and verse 9. John, the writer, whom early church leaders called John the seer, since he's looking into the future, and he's talking, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. So he says right away, listen, I've been in as much persecution as you. I've faced trials as well. And I like that, to let us know that John was not put on a pedestal and treated different and above and beyond us. He is like one of us. This is what we also enjoy about Jesus. He suffered. Hebrews chapter 4, uh, 15 says that he had also faced those temptations and trials such as we had, yet he didn't sin. But he can identify with man and woman in the fact that he was on the earth and facing these things as we. And John says this too. I'm both your brother and companion in the tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. Now, where was John writing this? He says it, I was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The reason he's on there, what he explains right there is because I preached God, because I preached Jehovah and salvation through Jesus Christ, I was arrested. I was put on this prison island. It's kind of like a natural prison. Patmos was a prison island full of rocks and caves, so natural cells. Can't leave the area, tiny place. It's about 15 miles in circumference. It's crescent-shaped, 
and it's a series of uh, different islands, but you can't get away from there once you're on there, mainly because historians tell us they would drape you in chains, um, un- you, you, you can't, unescapable chains that you would actually drag around with you. And some sources believe that the prisoners there might be wearing maybe even 100 pounds worth of chains on them at all times as they're going around. So that makes it mighty hard for you to swim to freedom or even try to get on a raft, a homemade raft of freedom. So they're in prison there. As John is there, we can talk more about his imprisonment later on. But while he is there in the times of greatest emptiness and suffering, it says this, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, which we talked about. The Lord's day was the term that they used for the first day of the week in respect and in reverence and in celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, then we called it the Lord's Day, the first day of the week. I was in there on the Lord's Day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And we talked about this. Anytime you see trumpet in the scriptures, it's symbolic for, pay attention, something big is about to happen. The magnificence of the noise is to grab your attention and say, Pay special attention to what's going to happen here. And when that voice, which has the authority and uh, uh, attention-grabbing ability, when it does that, then John turns and he hears the voice. And the voice is of Christ. And some of your Bibles that have the words of Jesus in red, put this in red. This is Jesus. And it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last the Alpha and the Omega, all right, in there, you can see this. One of the very, very important things that you see is when Jesus gives that self-description as the Alpha and the Omega, you're looking at the first and the last letters of the Greek alphabet. And what he's saying is what he repeats right afterward. I'm the beginning and I'm the end. Look, I started all of this, this glory and joy. There has been interruptions throughout time. You have faced sin you have faced persecution, you have faced failings, but you know something? I'm wrapping it up. I am the beginning and I'm the end. See, it'd be one thing if Jesus just said, I'm the beginning, and then you're on your own. But he says, I'm the beginning and I'm the end, the first and the last. Now he makes a direction. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And then he describes, it's a postal route, historians tell us. He talks about as if you are going to deliver in order kind of a fish hook uh, type of a thing. If you're looking in, in, in a spacecraft shot down on these cities in this region, and it starts with this, Ephesus, then you go to Smyrna, then to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and finally to Laodicea. And as you are going in this route, there's going to be a message to each one, and that's going to come out in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. But you're grasping something here, and John's trying to uh, wonder, Why would God, why would he direct me into heaven? Why would Jesus say, I have some mail for you to deliver. I want you to go and do this. Wouldn't you say that Jesus would say, I want you to see me in my full glory. I want you to see the magnificence of heaven and the love in the abode of all the believers. Well, that'll come. That'll come later on. But right now he says, I have a message that you need to deliver. Isn't this interesting? I find this very curious because just as, well, I'm ready to go through the the portals of heaven. I'm ready to see this. Well, wait a minute now, John. I got to tell you something. There's a reason why I picked you. There's a reason why I'm telling you this. You need to deliver this. Don't keep this to yourself. So you'll see the book of Revelation 
John is not giving instruction and John is not laying down rules. John is witnessing and writing what he is seeing here. He's taking down an account of everything he's seeing and allowing the Lord to lead him through here, but he's taking account of everything. And when he hears his voice, I turn to see the voice that spoke with me. But isn't this interesting? The first thing, and having turned, what did he see? Seven golden lampstands. Seven golden lampstands. Anytime you see gold in the Bible, it stands for deity. It stands for godness. The beauty of this precious metal on earth is symbolic of the beauty and the preciousness of God. And through Jesus Christ, we can, ha- we can obtain this preciousness. We can go there and see this. And as it says in 1 John 3, 1, we shall see him as he is and we shall be like him. Now, we shall never be a God and we should never assume that we'll be as God. But we can take on the holiness and we can see and we can be brought up in our resurrection bodies in a sinless state of great joy where there is no more pain or suffering, as it says in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4. And so we see this gold, all right, something's going on here. It's a lampstand. Okay, well, now what is that supposed to mean? Well, when you look down here, and I think it's down in verse 20, you look down in verse 20, it says uh, uh, through here, it tells you exactly what this is here. When you see uh, the uh, different uh, lampstands and you see all of the uh, direction here on what this is going to be like, you see in verse 20, the mystery of these seven golden lampstands, the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. So John is going around. He's going to be delivering a letter, not to the city, but to the churches, the assemblies in the cities. Get out of your mind a building. Consider this, when I say church, a group of believers, okay? So let me use this term, make it better. He's delivering to the seven assemblies, the assemblage of people, okay? So get out of your mind a building. He's going to be sticking a letter in the mailbox of a building. Consider it in your mind as if he's going to walk up, figuratively speaking, you know, and hand it to the leaders of an assembly and let them read about what they have been doing where they are. Very, very important. It's a lampstand. In those days, you would have an elevated piece of furniture. You would take those oil lamps, those Aladdin-type oil lamps, put them up there on top of the lampstands, and it would shine. As it's elevated, it would reach out to the room. As I'm talking with you right now, I have lamps in the room, and they're called floor lamps. And they rise, oh, about five feet up, and then that's where the light bulb is. And because it's lifted up, it shines out to the far reaches of the room. Well, that's what the the lampstand's like. All right, the lampstand is lifted up, and it is shining the light into the darkness of the world. But there's something going on here, and these lamps, not all of them are doing what they're supposed to be doing. And there's a message to each of the assemblies, some good, most bad, or let's say this, found wanting. And there is a message, and the Lord says, before I show you anything within the realm of the future, we need to talk about now. And that's where we're going to stop right now. We're talking about this. You can read the book of Revelation and be so impressed by it and then close it up and go your way and it has done nothing for you. Well, the opening verses, the first three verses say, you should read this and heed this and keep these words because the time is short and you don't know when all this will start. And so it's kind of a snapping of the fingers at your ear or tapping the desk and say, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. 
here is that and then you're saying I'm, it's a good thing I'm not like that person because they are really sloppy in that area and the Lord says look on your own heart where are you missing oh Lord I'm so sorry so there is a direction here instruction to be aware of the weak parts where you are not able to reach people because of the faultiness of the flesh and that is what we must all remind ourselves of revelation is not just an adventure book of a, a narrative going by us we're told constantly if the shoe fits wear it if you are doing this christian and it is hurting the cause of christ correct it repent of these things it's very important then look at the judgments that will come for the people that will reject you in your sincere worship and your sincere witnessing. You can only do this. You can't headlock people into salvation. It's not by forcing them, but it is by giving them the truth. But don't do anything to cloud that message. Be very, very clear in that. Okay, there's much more I can say, but I'm going to close it for now. We have been talking in Revelation chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and we're going to continue on and start getting into the description of Christ. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.